the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for being a part of the financial education infotainment whatever you want to call it always consult a work advisor for taking action on anything i ever mention um only because i don't know you we're very very different people one of the most important pieces of financial information to me is the jobs number i say this um not flippantly having done this for 20 plus years I've created wealth by investing, not necessarily in crazy ways. I did it with mostly stocks. Later in life, I've been adding more indexes to the professionally managed side of my portfolio that I don't see so that I can remain non-biased when I talk to you. But it's basically been through stocks. 25 years ago, as I was getting into the industry, I was really good at tech stocks. Because 50 years ago, when I was born, 50 plus, it was right before video games started coming out. And I was your typical kid who wanted to play Pac-Man. Not because I wanted the high score, but because I wanted to socialize with members of the opposite sex. As a kid, video games was my way of getting to the arcade and uh, socializing. I played soccer. A lot of men in soccer. That wasn't my thing. Um, so going to the arcade and that was just a little something. So video games was my best understanding of how to invest in stocks. No, no, no. That's not the right way of saying it. I understand financials. I, I have all that background. I understand how to invest in PEs and five-year PE cycles. But the sector that I fell in love with was tech stocks. Now, as we've been doing this for 25 years together, you know that tech stocks are like um, protein, and you can't live just off protein. So I'm going to go in and out on this on you. The unemployment rate is probably the thing that I care most about. Capitalism is another one that I care enormously about. So when we have presidents and congresses that ultimately give away more to the people of America, it turns a little bit more socialist. I'm okay with that. I just want to see business left alone and to be allowed to be, how shall we say, capitalist pigs. So I believe in the jobs number, the unemployment rate. 
and capitalism. Those may be the two most important things. Keep it inflation or the 10-year treasury at around 3.5%, 3% when you get excited about stocks, 4% when you get excited about income. There's some rules. Do you have rules in your head? I said 25 years ago as a way of explaining to you something that I fear was inflation's like the boogeyman. I fear inflation more so than Jason Voorhees or more so than Freddy Krueger. And see, now I'm showing you my generation. I don't know the guy from Saw. I don't know his name. I should, right? There's been eight or nine or ten of those films. So unemployment numbers, capitalism. Why capitalism? Because if people have, if people have jobs, they tend to live paycheck to paycheck. We see the statistics. And if that's happening, that means they're spending money in the economy. And the economy, with the companies that operate in it, you could call them like ships, they're all capitalists. Um, they're not doing it for a good time. They're not doing it because it's the right thing. They're doing it to make some money. And when you go down a list of stocks that I own or you own, or stocks that you're interested in, typically because they make millions or billions or hundreds of billions of dollars. And you get that. I know you do. I own shares of Caterpillar. Started buying it a couple of years ago um, for the dividend, for the income. I've talked about it for years on the show and told you what I like about it is that they make big machines out of metal. And I couldn't possibly make these. And if you're going to farm, you need a Caterpillar or a John Deere tractor or, and that's when you start running out of names. And they make money and they've shared their dividend. They've shared income with their shareholders for as long as I can remember. And as long as I've been on the planet. Um, in the end, there's some companies like Google who are in the business of do no evil in theory, but yeah, they're also capitalists. If there was a socialist stock market, I would not invest in it. So things that you believe in, socialist, uh, capitalism, jobs report, those go kind of hand in hand. Um, where the 10-year treasury is, because... I want to beat inflation. Inflation historically in my lifetime has run between 2 and 4%. There was a period in the 70s, which was in my lifetime, but I wasn't investing then, where inflation was a lot hotter than 4%. And you were able to get a mortgage at 15, 16, 17%. And when you look at it today at 7%, you're like, man, it's so high. But I look at it as it's about right. It's about normal historically in my lifetime. I think the two and a half, three and a half percent mortgages we're going to look back on and go, that was incredibly cheap. I wish I would have bought more. So I've owned Caterpillar now since essentially the, the pandemic when I started changing the way I was investing. And I'm stoked. I'm thrilled. Uh, pays a nice dividend. It has a history of paying dividends. And it was around when I was a little kid. And I think it's going to be around when I'm my little kids have little kids. 
what other things should you believe in? I believe in real estate, stocks, and bonds. After that, I get a little suspicious of things, whether it's baseball cards, um, whether it's digital currencies. For the last 120 years, people have made money enough to create wealth on stocks, bonds, and real estate. Digital currencies doesn't have the track record for me. Um, what a week. Or, gosh, you could just say in 2023, digital currencies have these ups and downs. Where it's really not the digital currency that's doing anything fundamentally, but it's the lawmakers. The lawmakers saying, oh, it should be allowed to be in mutual funds. Um, and then one week later, like, no, 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 no. Uh, we take that back. None of it should be allowed. So I don't like counting on regulation in the government to say whether an asset is an asset or not. When it's an asset, um, we'll know what it looks like. We'll know what it is. It'll be allowed to be bought and sold in mutual funds and index index funds. Anyhow, um, you should be able to define yourself. I ensure what I can't afford to lose. I believe in capitalism. I look at the jobs number, super important. Ten-year treasury above 3.5%, tougher to make money in the stocks, more of a stock picker's market. It's doable. Um, I've always been invested, always, in 25 years. I've never sold out everything and waited on the sidelines. Define yourself. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate it. In late 1990s, when I got into this industry, mid-90s is actually the correct way of saying it, I suppose. Um, I've been doing financial media since the 96. And I started a company shortly before then. And the reason I do financial media was I have a friend in the industry who owned a radio network called the Business Talk Radio. He was part owner, to be fair. And they had a morning reporter who gave market updates. Typically, you know, like uh, 19 past the hour for a two-minute update and then 48 past the hour for a two-minute update. I did that. And I did it over five hours. And I did it for free because... I thought it gave me an edge of having to get up every day at 5 a.m., studying the stock market, and being prepared to go on air. And to be honest with you, if it was kind of lucky. The network was located in Chicago and in Colorado, and one of the uh, one of the news or one of the anchors of the show back in the good old days of radio when you actually went to the radio station to do a show. That snowed in. So they said, Rob, can you, you know, carry us for uh, two hours until he can make it in? I'm like, sure. Just give me the cues in my ear and uh, I'll just talk. <clears throat> and I would, you know, talk about networking and how it's in an investable asset class. I would talk about how money doubles every 7.2 and networking. Uh, let me finish that thought. I understood that Cisco was important they were the number one and in the world of television 
in movies, John Hughes movies. <clears throat> You're always better off dating the number two, but the cheerleader is always the first choice, the, the poor dude in the movie. And then she dumps him last second and he goes to her sister and, oh, by the way, she takes off her glasses and she's all that and bugging a chicken too. Um, Cisco, I knew that local area networking was important. And then I went to a, um, a networking party where I saw a lot of people get bring their computers with them and create a wide area network and all play Quake or Doom or something like that. I was like, oh, um, this is going to be big because then I started to listen to John Chambers and he's like, he's got a Southern draw and he's the CEO of Cisco and he goes, you know, well, there's not only local area networks, but there's wide area networks and we're working on something called a man, a metro, uh, metro area network. And I'm like, what's that? And it would literally be a network around like New York City, Denver, Dallas. And then he came up with another one where I'm like, okay, I didn't really know what MA. Okay, okay. So more things to learn, more things. I love learning. But he came up with one on the Mars rover. I guess that's an interplanetary network because we're sending information from there to here. And in his dumb Southern charm way, that made sense to me. Uh, in the 1990s, I had really, really slow network internet. I had a U.S. robotics modem, also one of my f first investments, uh, that did quite well, moving from the upper 30s to over 200. And then I ultimately said goodbye to it because I, I, there was the next thing down the road was coming. And U.S. robotics, like 14.4, and then they got up to 28.8 speed and 56.6. And that's when they started maxing out on the plain old telephone system, the POTS, the copper wire that you would pick up that was mounted to the wall before there was wireless phones. And you'd take that plug from the wall and plug it into your computer, and it could get about 56K download. Now we're talking gig download, right? A little bit different. We zoomed past megs into gigs from Ks. And... Um, one day I was reading Wired Magazine in the back because uh, it would give me some ideas for the show. They write a lot of articles about, like, by futurists. One day we'll have cars that run on electricity. And, uh, like, oh, that's very funny in 1990s. Ha, 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 ha. But at the back there was, I mean, literally it was like a, it wasn't, it wasn't in the obituary section of Wired because there wasn't one. But it was in something called like future tech. <clears throat> and it basically brought up the concept of there's a thing called DSLs and there's a DSL forum. And basically it's the companies. Westel was one. Amati was another. It's the companies that were coming up with digital subscriber lines, which was able to take your phone line and make it way faster. Technology still exists today, but the standards didn't exist in the late 90s. They were being formulated by the companies, AT&T, Amati, Westel. They're all coming up with the, okay, we make a modem. They all have to kind of work with the same technology. So what sort of, uh, what sort of bandwidth chips, what sort of you know, standards do we have in place? And when they said it's twice as fast as 
plain old telephone system modems. I'm like, I'm in. Started doing research, getting the S filings, the K filings, the Qs from the sec.gov and learned all about the high-speed internet. And now fiber optic was coming too. But we didn't, you know, cable modems were still just very nascent, very, very young. So DSL was in position to beat cable, and it did for quite a while. And cable modems came, and I think I said on air one day, you could pry from my dead cold fingers my... Uh, cable modem and that when i said that i was like oh my gosh this is this is now cemented itself as an investment theme i need internet speed just like i need food just like i need shelter you can have my gun by the way you can pry for my cold dead hand my gun you can have it it's yours um I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but when it became a necessity, it became very important. So Cisco made sense to me. And again, we used to divide technology into software and hardware. Networking was certainly a category. Um, and then you had to start like going, what else is there? One. Uh, well, social media comes along. Am I wrong? As far as tech companies go. Now we get into... Um, cybersecurity. That's also one for sure. Um, but I used to do a lot of work on the networks and the internet stocks and um, business to business companies and the semiconductor manufacturers as well as the semiconductors. It's been a good ride. Um, it's been fun. I enjoy watching technology. It's probably the thing I'm going to miss most when I'm dead is I wanted it to be around the day we had flying cars or I wanted it to be around the day we cure cancer. Don't know what's going to happen. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. So I like keeping lists. And... Uh, I like top 10 list whenever Dave Letterman would have the top 10 funny things about Paris Hilton from the home office in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I go, okay, okay. And some of them were like cute. I don't know. I like lists. Um, I would almost say I'm obsessed with lists. I'm not quite there, but I, I can't turn down a good list. So I keep lists as well. Um, that's how I get things done in business. That's how I get things done in my personal life, like paint, garage, uh, water yard, buy long hose. Stupid stuff like that really works for me over time. But like I have a list of stocks that do well during hurricanes. Not necessarily because I'm going to go out and buy a stock during like a short period of time but because I can bring it up on the air. Ryan Group, Tudor Perini, Greater Lakes, Granite Construction, MCOR, DICOM, MassTech, Quanta Services, Genentech, uh, not Genentech, um, Generac, Home Depot Lowe's, 
So a big hurricane hits Florida, like Ian did last year, $113 billion. It's more than Home Depot and Lowe's are going to get some instant action. It's the mass techs of the world as well. I talked about tech and how it had subsectors, hardware, semiconductors, semiconductor equipment, networkers, software. You get the idea, right? So there's subsectors like retail has hard lines and soft lines. Hard would be more like a Home Depot. Soft would be more like a Gap clothing versus wood. Um, I think grocery certainly falls into retail. You have to know that grocery stores have the smallest margins. So I'm a little unattracted to grocery stores. Apple's margins are something that I love more so than their product. Radio producer this morning said, what do you think about the new MacBook uh, computers? I'm like, I've never been, really been a fan. And he's like, really? You own a large position in Apple? I'm like, yeah, I don't really like the, the, the computers. I, I love the phones. I love the watch. A couple things else. Um, but it's the margins that they make off the hardware and the software that I really, really like. And now they've introduced services as well. So I come up with a list, like um, I have a list of REITs, real estate investment trusts. And they're publicly traded companies that basically buy real estate. What do I like about that is you don't have to get involved with a 30-year mortgage. And I think the 30-year mortgage is the area where a lot of people get into trouble. Mentally, they feel like, oh, my home went up 10% in value and I only own 3% of it. It's all leverage. So look how much money I made. But remember, you don't make money until you actually sell it. But I really like REITs as a publicly traded idea because they're publicly traded stocks. They're regulated by the SEC. So they have to have financials. They have to have a certain amount of money in the bank. It's not like your buddy who goes, hey, you want to own property with me? And then you 10 years later learn that he's been taking out mortgages on the property and you don't own 50-50 with them and he's about to go bankrupt. Uh, if I own real estate, I own it by myself. I don't own it with a buddy or I own it by myself in real estate investment trust where I own 100 shares. And if that 100 shares goes up or down in value, it's mine and I don't have a 30-year mortgage weighing over it. And if a tenant comes, gets kicked out, the company is managing that property, not me. Um. So I really love having lists, uh, gaming stocks. And when I say gaming, I'm talking about Vegas and Boyd Gaming makes slot machines. Uh, for instance, I think you should have these in your head and know that, you know, Las Vegas Sands, there's publicly traded Vegas, you know, gambling. Uh, then there's video games. Um, you can own Electronic Arts or Activision or NVIDIA or Take-Two. And last time Take-Two announced a Grand Theft Auto, about five months before it came out, six months before it came out, the stock started running. They're going to announce Grand Theft Auto 6 soon. It's probably due out next year. It's been in development for a long time. This time last year, there was a leak of some of the video footage. It looks incredible, which means it's close to being done. When Take-Two announces 
Grand Theft Auto 6. Ticker symbol is TTWO. Stock's going to move because that company makes billions and billions and billions of dollars off a game that's 10 plus years old. And my kid still plays it on occasion, a little bit nostalgically, but he's still there. A couple other sectors that you have to know about, like healthcare. 20% of our economy is money spent on healthcare. I've been relatively healthy, but my wife has had a couple hiccups here and there. It ain't cheap. And the story I like to tell is my youngest son, who's just a fierce mother, you know, kid. <laughs> I almost slipped there. Um, one day when he was young, he woke up and there was a golf ball sized lump on his uh, groin. And we took him to a hospital. <clears throat> and they said, oh, he's, we don't have a kid's department, but we looked at him in the emergency department so we could charge you $10,000. And then they sent us to another hospital, Stanford. They said, you need to go to Stanford because that's where the kid's hospital is. <clears throat> Showed up there, check into the adult side because we didn't know there was a difference between adult hospitals. And I thought one emergency room was one. That's not the case. So they got, they sent us a bell and they said, just walk through those doors for the third one. When all is said and done, he had a good $80,000, $90,000 and a week stay in the hospital to find out that he had a poo-poo on his pee-pee. And that got into his bloodstream. And one of his lymph nodes caught it and decided to bloat. And it didn't send that poison through the rest of his body. But they were aggressive. They kept him under watch. They uh, biopsied it. <clears throat> made sure it wasn't cancer. Um, since Children's Hospital at Stanford is a learning hospital, um, they had all sorts of people come in and checking on them. And that's when I learned as a parent, you got to advocate for your kid. Because they're like, we're going to draw blood. I'm like, nope, you get one blood draw a day. Uh, use it wisely. Uh, we're going to put this uh, IV into him. I'm like, he's one. IV, it's, 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 it's a permanent fix or it's, it's not coming in and out. And uh, I got some of the coolest pictures of him because he was a he was a fighter. So other sectors that you have to look at healthcare. Um, healthcare has insurance companies. They've got hospitals. They've got pharmaceutical companies, and they have biotech. Um, biotech's probably the most aggressive. Um, insurance is probably the most boring, but boring's okay. I think you should have some of your investments in healthcare because it's too big of part of our economy not to. But you have to decide, do you want the big pharmaceutical companies? Do you want the biotech companies? And here's my thought on biotech. I go with an index because I can't tell the difference between one biotech company and another until they get really big. Um, I don't know if this guy's come up with a cure for cancer, if he's coming up with a cure for COVID, which companies going to get it or which companies not. So I like the big pharmaceuticals because they tend to acquire the biotech companies that are going to grow their portfolios. Um, some other sectors that, you know, just again, show you that you should keep a list and you should follow things. Um, I like semiconductor manufacturers a lot. These are the guys who make the semiconductors. They have the big ovens, as I like to call them. And, uh, they have the technology to get us smaller, cheaper, 
smaller, cheaper, volume, 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 volume. Financial sector, um, I'll be honest with you, I don't own much. I own some financials in uh, ETFs and indexes, like the S&P 500, but I own some of. Um, But I'm just not that enamored with online banking, uh, or more enamored with online banking and less enamored with real-world banking. So the Wells Fargo's of the world, the... Goldman Sachs, I just, J.P. Morgan, they're okay for dividends. But I feel that my generation and younger are all like online banks. Pretty much so. I hope so. Every year at the end of the year, companies like Goldman Sachs come out with uh, their tech portfolios. And I'll create a list on that. And during my downtime today, I'll take a look at these lists and see winners and losers. I don't necessarily own any of the lists, but I like watching. So you know how I said I don't own any of the banks? In the financials, what I do own are the credit card companies. Um, Visa and MasterCard and Capital One are interesting. I own shares of Visa. It's a pretty large position for me. Um. I don't like cash. Uh, if I, I, I got to be careful what I say here. Um, I find cash to be kind of dirty and gross, and it's like, oh, it sits in your wallet in the back of your pocket all day long. Um, I like Visa a lot. Now, do I think they could get displaced? I don't. If it happens, I'll be disappointed, but it'll happen very, very slowly. Um, I would own Visa or MasterCard. They have no exposure to debt. They just have exposure to transactions, which we're going to need in good economies and bad economies. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I spend fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year on research. It's a lot of money. I've got tools available to me that I think give me more of a competitive edge in knowledge, knowledge being power. I'm a consummate reader, um, two books a week at least. For me, a vacation is a third book. If I didn't have access to professional research, there's some really good non-professional research. And what I mean by that is I have an account at Fidelity. I can log on to Fidelity and they put a lot of research online. So if you have an account, whether it's a 401k, whether it's your health savings account, Charles Schwab does it, Fidelity does it, Vanguard does it, every major institution does it. And you can get a lot of research for cheap just by having an account. And you can read what a professional analyst at Standard Poor's wrote about shares of Apple. You can see what he likes and doesn't like. It's not typically the headlines that he likes. It's the margin expansion, the cost of business going down, the R&D, the research and development that the company does, billions and billions of dollars a year. So Apple can make billions and billions of dollars a year more if they just dial back R&D. They are so able to financial engineer what, what comes out of that company. It's 
attractive to me. So other things that I would read, uh, the New York Times business section, the Wall Street Journal, and Barron's. If you can get into it, the Financial Times is probably one of the best reads in the world. I do not like Investor's Business Daily. Kind of being snobbish there. There's just not enough meat to satisfy me there. The Fed made a lot of 30,000% winners. The loser, the Fed. Now, let me explain this. The Fed Reserve's 18 months of rate increases, which we're all going to remember for years and years to come. We're going to remember 2022, 2023 as years that the Fed marched interest rates higher. This may be your first time experiencing that. If you were around in the 70s, you saw it as well, where it's an aggressive, aggressive march. Now, there's been smaller rate hike marches, but this has been pretty epic. The winners are people who have money in money market mutual funds. Um, I moved more money into money markets this week. Um, I'm getting almost 5%. And ultimately, what that means is my current income is running more than 30,000 or 300 times above what it was in February of 2022, the month before the Fed began raising short-term interest rates to combat inflation. Now, the losers of the money market move, where I'm moving money from a deposit in my bank into a money market fund, are the regional banks. And what do I mean by that? A money market account gives competitive rates on your savings with the flexibility of a checking account. It often has higher minimum balance requirements. Money market accounts are a type of saving account. A money market account um, is considered a safe investment, although it is generally more useful in the short term than the long term as an investment. But right now, Four and a half, five percent, it's pretty attractive. So the Fed took away Rob Black and he would keep, I would keep emergency money in the bank. And now I'm keeping it in a money market account at a bank. And ultimately, they made a lot more money when it was just in the bank account. The 12 regional banks, which have changed from posting big collective profits to posting big losses because of the rate increases. Losses are hitting a strategic $100 billion level. Um, it's been pretty painful 18 months for the regional banks. And I don't think I'll ever more even consider a regional bank. In the past, I've dabbled with them as far as investments, but not anymore. There will be consolidation and I'll regret not being there. Before the Fed started raising interest rates, the regional banks were very profitable. They sent $107 billion of profits to the Treasury in 2021. But for reasons that it's a little tough to explain on air, Fed rate increases have vaporized the Fed bank's profits, and their remittances to the Treasury this year have been almost nothing. That's $100 billion that has changed in an 18-month swing from profit to loss. As of July 31st, 
interest yields were around 5.08%. Assets were about 5.9 trillion. And when you look at the chart of money market funds, it's on the march. It's been pretty impressive. Now, are we close to the top? Yeah, I think so. We're in the five and a quarter to 5.5 range. I think we can go 5.5 to 5.75. Um, 5% is a magic number, though. It holds psychological importance. Money starts pouring into money market funds at 5%. I, like I said, I am much more attracted to my money market fund right now than the broad market. So I have to pick individual stocks carefully, which I think stock picking is more of an art than index investing. One. The Fed's 12 regional banks, which used to make a lot of money, are now running big collective deficits. That's because they're paying more than 5% on trillions of dollars that they've borrowed from money market funds and other financial institutions. It's referred as a, no, it's not referred. It's known as a deferred asset. I call that a loss. Uh, Fed banks combined profit remittances to the Treasury through June 30th were a mere 102 million, down 98% from last year on a year over year basis. The Federal Reserve, when they hike interest rates, they break things. I think we don't have enough supply and demand on housing. And I think the regional banks are very unattractive. Whereas they used to be kind of okay attractive. Find me online at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.